Yeah, welcome to a special summer edition episode of The Intellectuals. Well, this one is just really called The Intellectual because <laughs> because uh, because my co my co partner co partner just partner your co host is co host. Thank you. My co host isn't here, and as you can see, I'm all I'm all disheveled. I'm all a hot mess. I'm also wearing a robe. I also just woke up a little while ago, but we have uh, we have a special guest. We have Johnny on the show. Johnny, who is uh, the most frequented guest, probably by orders of magnitude, right, Johnny? How many times? Have you been oh, on the show? geez, I don't know, ten, eleven, a hundred. I'd like to start. Yeah. I'd like to start this episode with a little song that's been stuck oh. in my head for the past couple of days. You're gonna sing it. I'm gonna sing it, and it was sung by the great Diana Ross in the movie Mahogany. Do you know where you're going to? Do you like the things that life is showing you? Do you know? <laughs> Thank you. That's great, Johnny. Thank you. Thank you. That's yeah. that's really beautiful. Yeah. What's that song about? I don't know, but it's from a movie she did with the great Billy D. Williams called Mahogany. Um, I've never actually seen it, but I've heard a song a million times. So you don't know what the movie's about. Mm-mm. You don't know what the song is about. Does she sing it in the movie? Does she play like a singer in the movie? I mean, we could look it up. <clears throat> I think she... maybe maybe we do that on our next yeah, episode. Yeah, let's do, we do We do a yeah. review of okay. Mahogany. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe that'd yeah. Be, we'll watch it. Maybe we could do like a, um, a group watch of Mahogany and comment on it. That sounds great. You know, it'd be better if we did it in person as opposed yes. to like Zoom like oh, animals. Because right. I'm going to be that's in right. New York City yes. in a couple of weeks. And we're yes. going to get to hang. That'd be beautiful. It's going to be very exciting. Looking forward very to exciting. it. Very exciting. So, so Johnny, you you had reached out to me a few weeks ago and said, I want to be on the podcast because I have, I have a story mm-hmm. to tell. Because you, and I have no idea what the story is yeah. about other than like the title of it. But I didn't go, specifically, I didn't go into any uh, details because I wanted to be surprised sure. and- uh, but before we do that, do you want to do you want to talk about the other thing that happened to you yesterday? Well, yesterday I resigned from my job. <laughs> so you are, and you gave what a two week notice? I gave two week notice. Two week. I gave two week notice. You're, you're a gentleman. And, you're a classy um, man. You know, it was um, it's a decision I feel good about. It was the right decision. I was not happy at my job. I was not happy with my boss. <clears throat> and um, you know, life's way too short to wake up and not be happy every day. Or at least almost every day. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just, um, it was a long time coming. I just didn't like the person who I was reporting to. And there's other things about the company I didn't like, but it was just, you know, time to go. Time to stretch a new canvas, as they say. That's nice. Imagine imagine the plot of Mahogany is exactly, <laughs> is exactly that. Do you know where you're going to? Because Billy D. Williams has a really <laughs> shitty boss and he resigns. And right as he li- gives his two-week notice, Diana Ross breaks into song. <laughs> you know, funny stories. I, I had a dentist appointment yesterday around three o'clock and I'm walking out and there's this young girl on her front. She must be in mid-20s. She's telling her friend, she's like, you know, I think I'm just going to quit. They, it's so disrespectful to me, this and that. I was like, you know what? I just quit my job today for the very same reason. She's like, get out of here. You go, boy. Good for you. You have a great weekend. <laughs> true story. Oh, that's great. Absolute true story. That's great. Yeah. Uh, she sounds like uh, she was. She was in the Bronx. Yeah. The way you just yes. described her. She was, was that? Yes. Yeah. Did you Did you recognize her as a Bronx? She wasn't from girl? Bronx. She was from Brooklyn. I mean, it's in Brooklyn, so she's probably from Brooklyn. Oh, I see. Yeah. I see. I see. Yeah. 
Can you tell the difference in accents between Bronx and Brooklyn? You know, um, the local dialect, if you will. I don't know. Other than Park Slope, people really don't have kind of like a Brooklyn accent here. It's a little snobbish. Yeah, kind of. Slope, you know, it? my kid Ian, I got to get him some udon noodles for lunch. You know, it's not, you know. <laughs> so, okay, I'm not taking my, my kid Vito for some pizza at uh, Carlos Pizzeria today. Totally different. Yeah. So, totally, totally. Uh, Johnny, do me a favor. Your your microphone on your headphones might be uh, rubbing on your giant uh, gorilla arms. Okay, that's, I'm, that's why I'm makes... actually holding it out like this, so it's that's, not rubbing. That's what she said. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, okay. So congratulations on quitting your job. Thank you. You 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 seem uh, like uh, you know like a a giant weight has been lifted feel, off your shoulders. Yeah, I do. I mean, like I said, we'll, we'll, it's I I have no doubts that i did the right thing i bet yeah <clears throat> i bet so and uh and congratulations once again on your fun employment and we will get to hang in new york city thank you um okay on to first of all shout out to nick just a heads up nikki is in japan nikki japan Konnichiwa. nikki nippon <laughs> he is in japan and uh and having the time of his life i'm sure and we're gonna hear all about that but this is uh this is a special episode without him, and I miss him dearly. So, okay, so so Johnny, what the hell happened to you a few weeks ago that you want to share? So, the beginning of May, I was called for jury duty here in uh, yeah. the great Kings County, the county of Kings in Brooklyn. And um, right. I showed up on my duly appointed day and time, and I was- Where's this, uh, where's this uh, courthouse in, in Brooklyn? It's in J Street, Metrotech. Okay. So it's actually yeah, it's right in front of that big kind of walkway thing yep. where they have the farmers market. Yep. That thing. Yep. Okay. Yep. Not too okay. not yep. too far. It's like a five minute train ride. Um, you know, so uh, I showed up for jury duty. I filled out the paperwork. I sat down in the big room with all the other prospective jurors, and um, they called a pool about of a hundred of us into a courtroom to hear about a case. A um, case that involved a double homicide, um, possible sexual abuse, possible statutory rape. Um, And the judge said this is a case that may take about six weeks to complete. Um, So I said to myself, well, hmm, should I try to get out of this and say I cannot do six weeks of jury duty? Yeah, because you want to go back to your awesome job. Yeah, I want to go back to my awesome job and boss. And um, <laughs> I said, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to voluntarily say I can't do this or for one reason or another. I'll, if I get picked, I get picked, right? I'm going to answer honestly. Um, so they whittled down about 100 jurors. You know, the first thing is, does anybody have a problem committing to six weeks? You have work commitments. Right there, 50 people are dismissed right away. So you basically have the jury pool. Do you have to say an excuse? You raise your hand. And you have to like, say, well, oh, you know, I, either I'm, I can't get out of work or that's too long. My boss. Will so not. you have to stand up in front of well, the you had people. To, you had to basically, it was like, raise your hand if you have issues, you know, with I a see. time commitment. <clears throat> so they. So it's that easy. It could you could just raise your hand I and you could just get out of there. I yeah. So okay. also, it was, it, you know. If you had any relatives that have been victims of a crime or sexual abuse, or do you have if you have a problem dealing with a case that might show some gruesome details and facts, 
please raise your hand. Okay. Dismissed, dismissed another bunch of jurors. So eventually it was down to about 40 jurors. Okay. Okay. After that, what they did was they they put your name in a in a bin and they called start calling out prospective jurors. So they called out about 30 jurors, which I was one of them. And they ask you a list of questions regarding- In front of everybody? In front of everybody. That's a questionnaire. You had to ask. The question was, where do you live? Who do you live with? Where do you work? Do you have children? Um, Do you have any relatives or close friends in law enforcement? Have you ever been the victim of a crime? Do you think you can serve as a fair and impartial juror? So I said, this is what we're doing. I'm going to answer everything honestly, which I did. Did you have to? Uh, did you have to uh, raise your hand and and, and swear no no they just they, they they no that's you could have lied I could you could have lied, lied. I there lied. was nothing in the in the I in the, uh, the details I could have <laughs> said you know oh my cousin was a cop I could have said a million different things but I said I answered honestly right. I said yes I was a victim of a crime you know uh, while I was in college a store I worked at was held up the 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 the, the um, lawyer was like well how long ago was that I was like it was thirty years ago. Like, well, do you think okay. it'd be? Do you think that will interfere with your ability to be a fair and impartial juror? I was like, absolutely not. So, did you tell them about the Albanians that uh, roughed you up? No, there I did behind, not. Uh, I did not. So they ask about forty people all these questions, and they say, "Okay." After that was done, they dismissed all forty of us. Said, "Please go wait in the hallway." Five minutes later, they called us back in and said, "Okay, if we call your name." That means you've been selected as a prospective juror. So I'm thinking to myself, they're not going to call me. There's no way this is going to happen. So juror number one, juror number two, juror number three, juror number four, et cetera, juror number seven, juror number eight, John Amon. Okay. I guess I'm picked. So. How'd you feel? How'd you feel when you got picked? Were you, were you excited? I was excited because it's something I've been wanting to do. Right. I've been. Why? Because I think it's just a civic duty. I think everybody should do it. I think there's a lot of people who just kind of like. I don't know. They see it. It's not. It's a part of of of, of being a member of society. If you ask me. <laughs> I mean. Well, but, but was was there anything about the case though that particularly excited you? What if it would have been like a tax? No, I still would have done it. It was just or... it, it was an opportunity to. I, there were two other times I've been called for jury duty, and I I got picked, but one time the case just was settled before I even went to jury, and the second time, I had just come back from my honeymoon. I was away for three weeks, and I was like, I, you know, I can't. I can't sit on a jury for another God knows how long. So um, I was just excited to do it. I, it was very interesting of what it would be like. So they picked 10 jurors that day and they said, okay, come back Thursday. We still need to pick two more jurors and six alternates. So 18 jurors altogether. So I go back. Six to the, alternates. Yeah. That seems like excessive amount of alternates. Well, you know, and they the, just and they just get to watch the thing, and in case well, one the of them thing drops with alternates is they sit there and in the entire trial they hear everything, but right. they don't get to deliberate. So and right, and so the day when I'll get to that, but yeah, they don't get to deliberate. So I go back Tuesday, so, and you were you were not one of the alternates. You were no, I was not. The, I was you were a starter. You were a starter. I was juror number eight. I was on a starting team, okay, starting lineup. John Amon, Jared number eight. You're like a power forward. They played Enter Sandman when I came walking into the courtroom. <laughs> <laughs> so they, I come back Thursday. So this, okay, so hold yeah. on, hold on, hold on. Sure. Let me just pause you there for yeah. a second. You are, are you allowed to talk about this now? Yeah, like, after, they it's give you any, it's, after, after it's over. After it's over. done, you can talk about it, yeah. But, but during it, you during were like- you did not. You like, I, the judge said, 
you are forbidden from talking about this with anyone. You are forbidden to do any research. Do not look it up on Google. Do not. Can you talk it. about it with other jurors? No. They said do not even you talk just, about it. You, you just got to stay you, in your own head. You got to stay and in your head, own head. It. Exactly. Interesting. So, Interesting. and I can you I, take notes? You cannot you can take, take notes. notes. No. You cannot, you cannot take, take notes. Take notes. What the fuck? So you you know you sit there, but I'll totally get into that. But yeah, I did not. They they said you cannot look anything up, and I did. I don't look. Are you are you? Do they they get? You can go home and sleep there. You don't have to be. Yeah. You know, no. 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 That's only you get sequestered once it goes to deliberation. But they don't. Apparently, they rarely do that anymore. Okay. Yeah. So they told you. So they basically said, "Congratulations, you're a starter. Yeah. You're number eight. Yep. You're this thing's gonna last six weeks." You can live your life as you normally would, mm-hmm. but from in the you know from from what time did you have to be there? Every so day? the the schedule was for the first like it was broken up, but like there were two or three weeks where it was four days a week except for a Wednesday. And then why? What's why, I don't what's know. What's so special? I don't about? know. I don't know. But then there was one week where there was no trial because the judge was at some conference. Um, you have to play golf. Maybe it was a total of I think eighteen days that I served over okay. six weeks. Um, and it would go from, you'd have to be there at 9.30 and there were jurors that would not show up until 10.30, which was very frustrating. So what do you do? You have to wait for you them. You have to wait. You have to wait. Fuck. Um, wait, so what happens, what happens with your job So I just informed not- them. I was like, you know, I got called for jury duty. Here's the dates I have to serve. So on the days when you're not serving, on those Wednesdays, yeah. you were working yes. at your shit yes. job? Yes. Yes. Okay. I was working. Wow. Or, no, or I would come, you know, even... I would come back and maybe do some work at night or whatever. I had to, you know, stuff that needed to get done, I would get done, right? Right. Um, but every day, the trial pretty much went to like 4, 4.30. Um, right. And yes, in the days I wasn't serving, I was at work. Um, okay. So the, All right. So you're up. So here you go. Yeah. So, that, so that's that's the starting. Yeah, we get picked. So now so it's a Thursday. They pick the entire. Do you get paid for this? Do you get like. Well, a, work pays me. I mean, if your job doesn't pay you, they'll pay I you, see. I think, $40 a day. Oh, um, God. Do they give you lunch? No. You only get lunch they give when you. you coffee? No. And I got coffee. What do you get out of this? Do you get anything? You get like a pin? You, you get like a. You get to know a, a that you've done your service. I see. And as one okay. of the lawyers said, with the exception of serving your country during times of war, serving on a jury is the highest honor you could have. The highest honor. I mean, I don't know how true that is, but, you know, well, okay. highest responsibility you could have, right? Um, so all right. So we get, all get selected. They start the trial immediately. So the details of this trial are, are really insane. This <clears throat> girl who is now 22, when she was 15 shot and killed her mother and stabbed her stepfather to death along with her boyfriend. Fuck. Um, when she was 15. 15. She was, is a very convoluted case, very complicated. So she was 15. She shot her mother to, she shot her mother in the head. And then How'd she get a gun? Her boyfriend, who she was dating, who was 28 at the time, Dating a fifteen. That's statutory rape. That's statutory rape, rape um, Brought her the gun. The alleged story was that she was planning. She was her mother was abusive to her. She claimed that her stepdad was sexually abusing her, and that she had planned to run away. She had planned to run away, and um, 
she wanted a, the boyfriend to bring her a gun so she'd feel protection, feel protected when she was trying to leave in case her mom started Damn. trouble or stepdad, whatever. So the, this guy brings her a gun, brings her a, a okay. you know an automatic pistol. And this is a couple of days after Christmas of 2015. Okay. And she gets the gun. The boyfriend shows up with the gun. She walks into her mother's bedroom, fires twice and misses. Or misses one shot. One shot, the mother is doing a defensive wound, hit her in the thigh. And then the second time, she walked up to, the, to her and shot her right through the left ear. While the boyfriend, you know, her stepdad was on the bed, he apparently jumped under the bed, heard the gunshots. The boyfriend came running in. The stepdad came out from under the bed. The boyfriend starts fighting with the stepdad. She grabs a knife, starts stabbing him in the back. The boyfriend, the, the stepdad. Yeah. The, 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 the boyfriend starts stabbing this guy to get in the you know, we saw the wait. The boyfriend starts stabbing them. Both of them. What's going? They both had knives. <sighs> so, and you know, we saw the we saw the crime scene photos, and everything. Anyway, so <coughs> they 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 kill the mother, they kill the father. <clears throat> they clean up a little bit. They leave the apartment, and there's video. Where was it? Where was the apartment um, in, in Brooklyn? Sheepshead Bay. Okay. They leave the apartment, and the bodies aren't found for about six days. Ugh. So meanwhile, there's the apartment. The, the the boyfriend had cut his finger open, stabbing the stepdad to death. So they have video of them going to Methodist Hospital, which is actually right down the block from me, to go get his hands. Oh, yeah. yeah, take a look. Had yeah. a, a take, um, hand fixed. Renee used to work there. She's still there. She's still there. But she wasn't working there at the time that this happened. Okay. Then they have a video later of them going checking into a motel in um, Bay Ridge where they stayed for two days. So they finally get caught. The mother's cousin, nobody had heard from the mother. Nobody heard from the stepfather. One of the cousins went over there to, to go check on them, knocked on their door. Nobody answered. Guy went downstairs, found the cops to do a wellness check. Came up, knocked on the door. The door was open. They actually turned the doorknob open, and it was just blood everywhere. Oh, uh, we just fuck. we saw the crime. It was just blood all over the wall, over the floor. They showed that that they'd been basically there for six days, decomposing for six days. The stink. So God. you know the cops testified. You know the first thing we opened a door and you could smell the odor. Walked yeah. in, blood on the walls. Blood in the, the hallway, the dead body. You know, we saw the crime scene photos and everything. And it was just, it was a mess. I mean, it was just blood everywhere. So they call the stepdaughter, like, you know, the daughter, like, where are you? Where are you? Do you, do you know there's two, your mom is, your mom is dead and, and your stepfather. And she's like, and she admitted to doing it. She said, I, I know, I, I, I did it, you know, I did it, I did it. So they, the cousin went, called the cops and the girl was staying with her dad at the time. The dad is, was really not in the picture. Um, so the cops go to the, the father's house to pick her up. They bring her in for questioning and she admits it. She admits to killing her mom 
and the stepdad. But she says that it was her cousin who helped her, not her boyfriend. Her cousin, that one that just no, 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 her younger cousin, different cousin. She's like, you know, but she said she did it because one, she was abused. Her mom used to beat her up and hit her. You know, the, the, the stepdad sexually abused her. The mom used to burn her with cigarettes. Damn. Um, all this just insane stuff. Um, so she, they have, we watched a videotape confession. She says exactly what she did. She said that cousin bought her a gun. And they're like, well, what's your cousin's name? They're like, here's his name. It's like, well, where does he live? So like, he doesn't live, you know, all this stuff. He lives upstate. He lives, he goes to school upstate. Um, you know, she didn't think they would find him so quickly. So, but they found a picture of the guy like an hour later. It's like, is this your cousin? The guy, you mean her boyfriend? No, no, no. The cousin she's oh, her cousin. Her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no, that's not him. That's not him. And they're like, this is him. We know you're lying to us. This is him. Mm-hmm. No, it's not him. It's not him. It's not him. So the interview ends and we had to watch this whole interview. And the next day while she's in the- How was her demeanor when she was, when she was doing this interview? What was- <sighs> It was- I can't. And this is how many days after? Like six a week? Days, six days after. Six days, yeah. But Demina okay. was like very. I can't. I mean, she was protecting her boyfriend. She was protecting her like. boyfriend. Yeah. But it, it, it was like. She but was, the fact that she also was just so like, yeah, I did it. She was just, she never denied doing it. So it's weird, but she wasn't the, like, she was not very super emotional right. about, you know, I, I did this, but. The way she just described things, she's like no she, remorse. It was just it was like they had it coming. I no, I can't explain her demeanor. It wasn't even like that. It wasn't even like oh, you know that that she had it coming. She did this and that. She's like yeah. She's like I'm a good girl. I just I don't you know my mom just abused me and I got to the point where I couldn't take it anymore and I had to protect myself. She was beating me up every day. By the way, she didn't have a lawyer present when she did this no, uh, confession. No, right? no. And her father was there, who's who, who's Honduran, doesn't really Whoa. speak English, but there was a translator okay. there. Okay. So remind me to tell you about the translator later because it's actually an interesting story. Um, so the father's just sitting there listening, and you know the cops go in and out of the room at some points, and she's by herself, and she's just sitting there saying, "I'm sorry, mommy. I'm so sorry." You know the cops come back in. They're like, well, we found your cousin. Is this your cousin? She kept saying, no, this is not him. They're like, how, how old is he? Oh, he's he's 16 years old. Because I guess she was she was thinking that if she they said he was a kid, he'd be harder to find. Anyway, that videotape confession ends, and they said the next day they call her back. She tells the cops, she's like, I have to be honest with you, it wasn't my cousin, it was my boyfriend. Now she tells the same exact story. Except that it was her boyfriend who brought her the gun, you know, all this, did this, but the same reasons why. Wait, hold on. So yeah. she's she's locked up at this point, right? She was at the police like, station, yeah. Yeah, she, but they didn't release her. At no, 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 no. So, so the next day, something happened overnight. So she was like, she's ah, just it. like. Uh, it was, she probably had a lawyer by then? Maybe? Still no lawyer. There's still no lawyer in there with her, which I didn't understand, which is kind of crazy. crazy. It's crazy. So. The second confession, again, she's completely admitted to, to doing this. She doesn't deny it. Um, same demeanor. Same, same demeanor. Kind of, same kind of, you know, she's talking about. Yeah. And then the, the assistant district attorney shows up to, like, interview her. It's like, well, why did you do this? You know, I was abused. My mom used to beat me with cigarettes, burn me with cigarettes. My stepdad, you know, sexually abused me. 
Um, and she's like, well, did you tell anybody about this? Well, I told you in my med school about the abuse and all this, all this just crazy stuff. So we watched these two videos of her confession. I'm thinking to myself, well, if she's confessed, why am I sitting here? Right. She's confessed to doing this. I don't understand. <clears throat> so basically what the, what the defense was trying to say, in a, in, you know, it's, it, in, a, in a nutshell, was that she did this because she was abused. She was sexually abused. She was abused by her mother, et cetera, et cetera. So, She's a minor. And the, like, I didn't understand. I was like, she was a minor at the time. It's like, what? I guess they chose yeah. to try her as an adult because she's 22 now. And she's been in basically in Rikers since she was 18. Before that, she was in. Um, Fuck. She was in um, like juvenile detention center from like 15 to 18. And then she went to Rikers. And her case just is coming to trial now. What a tragedy. And she, what a complete tragedy. Oh, my God. God. Insane. She, and she fought to have the case separated from her boyfriend. They weren't, she didn't want to be tried with him. So basically what the defense was trying to paint was a girl who you know was 15. She was being taken advantage of by some 28-year-old guy, basically statutory rape. She was abused by the mother. She was you know sexually abused by the stepfather. And... But the problem was that her stories never matched up about what she told, about when things happened. And they did bring in people to testify at school that, like, yes, she told us she was being physically abused at home. And, you know, even, you know, we open up cases with uh, uh, ACS, that's like the uh, child care yeah. welfare system here. Mm-hmm. But there was no mention. And, you know, they brought doctors to the stand that, that, you know, psychologists and psychiatrists that basically examined her and said, you know, yes, she was been, she was kind of under this duress from all this abuse and this and that. Yet she said the night of that she killed her mom, her and her mom got into a huge fight. She beat her, she punched her in the face. But <clears throat> there was not one mark on this girl's body. Hmm. Um, she, she showed no signs of any kind of physical abuse and they had videos of her like checking into the motel yes. right like, and she looked was, fine there was, there was nothing on her face she had claimed right. that a mom punched her in the face and her eye was swollen and this and that yeah nothing they right. took pictures of her you know not naked but you know with her clothes off arms showing her arms and yeah. legs no signs of cigarette burns no signs hmm. of like beating marks and you would think if somebody's getting beat every other day allegedly there'd be some kind of marks on her body and there was nothing interesting <clears throat> and there's a lot of testimony by for the you know for the prosecution from former family members saying yeah you know her mom disciplined her but didn't beat her you know <laughs> like if she got out of line she maybe slap her in the face or something like that but you know she was what about the sexual abuse from the stepdad anything there was no she never told anybody about it were they married with it actually stepdad or boyfriend no like, they were just, oh, boyfriend, just boyfriend. boyfriend yeah right so the, so there was no there was no real yeah they just called him the stepdad so the the only one she told was the boyfriend she was dating hmm. and you know the thought was, and that guy's getting tried in a separate trial oh he already pleaded guilty right? to first degree murder fuck he pleaded guilty already yeah. So, um, 
The problem was that there was a lot of like her stories just didn't match up. Like she was talking about being beaten and, you know, talking about sexual abuse. But, you know, every time she was asked about it in the past, the dates of when it happened kept changing. Oh, it happened when I was 10. Oh, it happened when I was 13. Oh, it happened when I was eight. I mean, listen, you know, yeah. it, it could be that you forget these things. You want to push it away. You don't want to remember it. Totally. Um, but, you know, the the prosecutor was very much that she knew exactly what she was doing. Hmm. She planned this murder. They were charging her with second degree murder. Um, and that, you know, this whole... This whole thing about the abuse and the the, the, mental, the physical abuse and the sexual abuse is all just a lie. All basically called what's called in um, psychological terms secondary gain, right? You're telling a story so you'll gain something out of it, even though it may not be true, right? Did you learn that from the trial? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it was fascinating. I mean, going in every day, just, you know, how the the just watching the lawyers work and yeah. the judge interact with the lawyers and even just even just dealing with the other jurors was kind of a whole thing. I mean, it was like, I don't want to make it, it was kind of like better than walking, watching a Netflix documentary. It was like real, Yeah, this is what actually, and you know, you're sitting there, you're like, you don't realize this goes on in the world. You know, this right. kind of shit's happening. Uh, this, th I mean, there was probably... A bunch of trials that are just like this happening yeah, in New York. Yeah, right? and the funny so the on know, any given day. Yeah, and, yeah. and the way the case kicks off is that the 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 people, the prosecutor goes first. So he presents he presents all you know his arguments, his evidence, and he just they just po call a lot of police. What I didn't understand was they called a lot of police officers as just witnesses. Um, you know what they saw, what they found, and it was interesting. So. <laughs> They called this one police officer, this woman, and she comes walking in and she's wearing this very kind of like funky blouse, right? Really funky. What? I couldn't explain it. So, Like uh, she would have been uh, hanging out with Prince, like that kind of funky? No, just like this floral print blouse. It was very interesting. I don't know <laughs> what why. What color was it? It was what like a- What was a predominant color? Like a, like a wine red with purple in there. <laughs> Like she's going to a jazz festival. It's, I can't explain, but it was it was so. It just stuck in my head. And going back to, she was a translator in the first video. Okay. And in that video, she was wearing the exact same top <laughs> from seven years. And that ago. happened seven years ago. Seven years ago. Oh so I come to the juror next to me. I was like, "Is that the same? Is that the same dress?" She's like, "I noticed the same thing." Wait, but that was, you're not allowed to do that. Well, we weren't, you know, we know you're not, but, you know, but every, we, you know, we were in the jury room after that. And should I, like, should I edit this out? So no, that it was like a, I mean, a I mistrial? Talk, I could freely talk about this. The thing is no, over. but like it's you done. broke the rules. Can't, no, can it be, can no. it be called a mistrial? I mean, cause I said, oh, this is, you know, no, I don't think so. Okay. Um, Johnny, you got a lot of listeners on the show, you know, I don't want to. So it was, it was, it was, it was down on you. We didn't do that. I mean, it's just like we got in there. Like, yeah, she's doing the same. Just a little gossip. Just, just a little. A little gossip. Let me tell just you. Just a little shit talking. Yeah, there was a lot of shit talking. There was more. Sometimes it was more interesting in the jury room than it was in yeah. the, in the courtroom. Right. Just the way people talked about. But and not okay, about so. So, so you. Yeah. Good. You're allowed to. You're allowed to talk to these folks 
after the trial is ended and you have to deliberate, right? Is oh yeah, because you up need to, this to point, come up. You're not, you don't really up sit, to this point. Well, you're not supposed to discuss the case in terms of oh, what are you thinking? What? And you know, so you what, can yeah, start influencing. You have to be kind of like go into it with an open mind and hear everything, right? Okay. So the prosecutor presents his case. He 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 rests in four days, so he's done. Mic drop. Mic drop done. Um. So now the defense goes and they're calling. They're calling like. Police officers, school, guidance counselors, psychologists, psychiatrists over the next, I would say, four or five weeks, right? It's all the defense. So they're putting a lot of people on the stand, you know, basically corroborating that, yeah, she was suffered from a lot of abuse, um, sexual abuse, hmm. you know, you know, she just was not, she did not live in the best environment, which I do believe. I think she just had a very hard life. And at one point, they called her dad to the stand. <clears throat> and um, he didn't speak English. So they had a translator there. This guy comes in, he was like 62. Apparently, he was like 40-something when he hooked up to mom, who was like 20-something. And, um, you know, he gave his testimony to the translator there and... and um, you know, one of the questions was, well, did while you while she was pregnant with your daughter, did she use drugs? Did you observe her using drugs? He's like, C, C, C. And they're like, well, what drugs? Like, cervezas and a cocaína. Like at a party setting? No, like apparently she was on a regular basis, right? So like, Cocaine, yeah. you know, so he's telling the story like, well, and what was her demeanor like? You know, he basically said, you know, I'd come home and I didn't, if I, I didn't know if I was going to find, you know, she was so unpredictable. I don't know if I was going to find God or the devil whenever I came home from work. So he's on the stand for about an hour and, you know, he's just telling about how they met. You know, he was he, the guy used to be a police officer in like Honduras. Um and he's just saying, yeah, you know, I lived with them for a while. And then, you know, the mother was just, he came home and found her in bed with somebody else. And then she had him arrested for something. And then he kind of like had somebody drop off bail money with her to get her, get him out. And she took the bail, bail money and didn't bail him out. So there's kind of like a conflict of interest there. It's like maybe he's like testifying because of that. <clears throat> so the prosecutor, you know, cross-examines him. And it's like, well, Mr. So-and-so, well, if you knew your, she was using drugs at the time, why didn't you do anything to stop it? And he just said, and he said it in Spanish. I remember what it was. He just said, what could I do? What could I do? Um, so they put him on the stand and... You know, again, I'm thinking to myself, he was in the first two videos with her. There was no lawyer there. She had no lawyer present. And this guy is just like this the entire time, in the you know, hand on hand on chin the entire time. I don't think really understanding what was going on. So they call him. They call a couple of psychologists and basically saying, yes, you know, she was under a lot. She was being abused. This they that, you know records from the uh, AC, uh, Bureau of Child Care Welfare um, that she had been abused. He had changed schools. She was being bullied at school. 
But again, the, the still the things were like her stories were not matching up. The big thing that stuck with me was the abuse thing, like about being constantly being beaten and having being burned with cigarettes. There were no marks on her body. So it was very like confusing about, well, what's really going on here? And the last week of the trial, I remember, you know, when we would come out walking into the courtroom every day, she would be sitting, you know, at the desk with her attorneys and there'd be two court officers behind her. And one day we walked in and I was like, but well, she's not there. And then I turned around and she was on the stand. So she, they oh. put her on the stand for like three The days. defense? Yes. For three <laughs> days. Wow. So they put on a stand and, you know, basically just telling everything that happened about, you know, the abuse from the mom, the alleged abuse from her mom and her stepdad, you know, and then realizing that she had been taken advantage of by her boyfriend who was 28 years old at the time. She was, you know, now that I'm older, I realize it was, you know, he was a sexual predator and, you know, he was taking advantage of me. He was raping me. But, but you know, and the defense attorneys were very smart in the way he went about this. They painted a picture of, you know, a young girl who was not living in the best situation, who was taken advantage of, advantage of by an older man. You know, and the the the, the, the defense attorneys like, well, your boy, your your this boyfriend of yours or whatever you call it, did he ever take you out to dinner or anything? Where would you guys go? She, oh, we would just go to a motel. She was, oh, how many times would you say you've been to a motel? Probably about 50 times. And they started reading letters um, that he started writing her from jail. And, you know, some of these letters were just very kind of like sexual in nature and all the things he talked about. It, it was like insane. What was the point of that? Just to just to show that he was a creep? Yes. Or and that- I think to, you know, to make her feel like, look, this is what this girl is going through. Right? This stuff. I mean, you know. And people curse in court and they'd see these things and like, it was just like, you know, uh, you know, I remember the time that you did this and did that and we, crazy. And just like, it was like, like I was cringing, you know, I mean, she was crying the entire, I mean, the entire trial she cried. I mean, I did not see her once when she did not cry. Wow. So she gets up there and I started asking about, you know, when did a relationship with this guy start? And, you know, she's like, oh. And, and they even asked her, like, how many men have you been with? And she's like, just one. And who is it? And, you know, it was the boyfriend. It's like, well, when did this happen? Wow. Right, like, two weeks before my 15th birthday. You know? And, you know, they painted a picture of, like, a mom saying when she was, you know, growing up that, like, you know, oh, you have to make, you have to service your man and make your body accessible to your man. And it's crazy, crazy, just crazy shit, man. And, um... Wow. You know, it was just, it was, it was, it was, um, it was really sad um, just because you realize that this shit goes on and you don't really know about it. So she's on the stand for about five days. um, And we finally get to when the, um, well, actually the, the over, overarching, you know, defense case was that. She was emotionally, had an emotional um, disturbance at the time of the murder. Like she wasn't mentally there, right? And that's what they, that's what the doctors testified to. So, you know, do you think all this history of abuse could have driven her to do this? And obviously I'd be under emotional duress. Absolutely. Hmm. So the defense rests. 
the the prosecution rests, they give their closing arguments. And now when the defense rests, they, well, the defense gives their closing arguments, they're like, you know, this girl has been sexually abused. She's been physically abused. You know, she, her mother used cocaine and drank while in utero. You know, this is the reason we are asking you to come back with not with a, 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 a um, guilty with manslaughter and not second right. degree murder. So I was like, oh, okay, now I get it. So what's the difference in like sentencing between those two? Second degree options? murder, I believe she would have faced life in prison. Fuck. So manslaughter in the first degree, I think the max was 25 years. But that answered my question. I was like, well, why am I here if she already admitted to be doing this? Right. So the the and I looked this up in New York State, you could plead, this is the only state that does this. You could plead guilty, or you could you you could charge somebody with manslaughter instead of murder if they if the defense proves that they were at the time of the crime under severe emotional distress at the time of the crime. So it's like okay, now I get it. So we go into the deliberation room, and they ju- the judge charges us. Here's what here's here is the definition of the of the charges. Here's what has to be proved in order to, you know, charge this person with X, Y, Z. So it was interesting because the first checkbox was if you do, if, if, the, if the prosecution has not proved murder in the second degree, then you must move to the next charge, which was, so she was charged with two, two counts of second degree murder. You must move to the next charge of second degree murder, which was for the stepfather. If you find that the, the prosecution has not proven second-degree murder, then you must move on to the third charge, which is a gun charge, right? And if you do not find, um, if you do not find a, the, the person guilty of this, it's basically like saying if we didn't, if we thought the the prosecutor didn't, didn't prove second-degree murder, she would have walked, even though she confessed. But it said not even a manslaughter. Not even a manslaughter. If we would have said, you know, prosecution did not prove second degree murder, which was, you know, and you have to look it up. Second degree murder is like you you literally planned this out. You you know, you planned to But but she did. She, she did. did plan she it did. Out. She did. She obviously talked to her boyfriend. Yep. Boyfriend got a gun. Yep. They went to the house. They did, you know, yep. it was planned. It yep. was not like a crime of of, of passion. Yeah, now exactly. I guess I guess the question is during that planning or during the actual act was she under duress well that's the thing so that if you say okay yes they proved second degree murder now you have to go examine if the defense proved the emotional duress and then you can consider the manslaughter charge right and we did i mean we debated for about two days and i think it was a little unclear because a lot of jurors thought if we we if we said oh we didn't find her guilty, if we found her guilty of second degree murder and but then manslaughter that she would get nothing they're like no no she'll be charged she's not walking out if you you know if you um if you find her not guilty I mean if you find her guilty of second degree manslaughter and then you go to I mean of second degree murder and then 
if you say, oh, yes, he was under emotional duress, she's still getting charged with something. She's not just walking away. And I think there was a little confusion on how. Um, it sounds confusing. Yeah. It was a little confusing, confusing. But then we, you know, we had them, we had the, um, the judge uh, clarify. Clarify. So we were in there for two. Wait, tell me, yeah. tell me who who else was on this jury now? Any of the alternates get called up to the to the main? Yes, yes, because um, one of the jurors, and I think in the second week of the trial, hurt his back working out, and um, they called. Was he a Guido? No, he was. It was Israeli, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> so they basically said, um, you know. Um, all right, listen. And he's like, you know, it's here to back. Like, we don't know when he's going to come back. So they just discharged him and they moved the juror up to the big leagues, as they say. Right. So we just, so, so, yeah. so while this deliberation is going yeah. on, like, there is a, uh, was there a, uh, a lead juror? What did they call him? The, oh, is foreman? It a foreman? The foreman is just the juror number one. So that's. And, and did, was, was that person doing a good job? Were they, their like, job was not. Keeping the conversation job, going? Well, that's the thing is like, was it structured when you like talked about this? It wasn't at how first. How long did you say you? De- how long did you say you deliberated for? About two days. It wasn't at first, but there was um, one of the jurors was a uh, corrections officer, and he was did really well in getting the group focused on. Well, we're going off on the wrong thing here. Let's look at the charges and focus on right. what was proven <clears throat> and what was not proven, and that that was super helpful right. because a lot of people are just going off. Well, what about this and what about that? What about, you know? That's kind of crazy that that like every single jury doesn't have somebody like that. And it's just like random. They may. Because if that guy wasn't there. Yeah. What, but imagine that guy wasn't there. You guys might have been spinning and yeah, maybe. bullshitting. I think so. But it was. Did the court provide any? I mean, the judge would come in and help a little bit. Do you no, think no, the but judge you would had, come in at some could, point? You could ask for, you know, we did ask to see certain documents like the. Okay. The psychiatrist's testimony. We asked for um, clarification of the charges, um, you know, things like that. And they did bring you the paperwork in to look at it. Um, but, you know, I think, yeah, I think it was it was good that he kind of stepped up and said, look, we're and, and we just read through the charges again. Because I think a lot of people were just going off in a million different directions. And for me, I just focused on what the doctors said i gave that the greatest weight right because my thing was that the prosecution didn't call any of their own expert witnesses to kind of like discredit what was being said so i gave weight i gave a lot of weight to that and to the fact that she was 15 and to the fact you know obviously some 15 year olds you know some 28 year old guys bringing her a gun you know, so we delivered again. We del- and it wasn't a unanimous at first. So you has to be, it has to be unanimous. It has right. to be twelve, all twelve jurors. And there were. So what did you? What was your initial? What was your initial vote? My initial vote, I was leaning towards second degree murder, right? Huh. And then why? 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 Because I think she didn't. Was, she didn't prove it. You, no. you were telling me. I think it's because you said. There wasn't enough evidence on her it body. Was, like, it was, like she, history, you were calling bullshit on the kind of. Kind of. Yeah. And then, you know, I thought about it because I went home that night because um, we hadn't finished deliberating and I had a really hard time sleeping. Like I couldn't, it's like really kind of weighed wow. on me. Um, and I was just thinking to myself, like, well, you know, look, you know, the doctors did say that she's, she's shown signs of abuse, post, 
PST, uh, PSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, and look, the girl's 15 years old. Who yeah. at 15? I mean, your child. You're not even, your yeah. brain is even developed. You know, doctors even yeah. say, you know, you know, a, a, you know, a person's brain is not fully developed to like 25. Yeah. Um, Wait, John, you're fully developed, right? I, last time I checked. Okay. Well, my arms are. The big gorilla arms. <laughs> um, anyway, so I just, I had a real hard time sleeping. And, I, and, I, and, I, and it's funny, I think, I think that everybody left that day thinking one way. And we all came back the next day thinking a completely different way. Interesting. And I think it was- You get to take home no materials, obviously, nothing, right? No, this is just, just your thoughts. Just my thoughts. You didn't take notes or anything. So we, you know, we deliberated again. We took votes again. And then, you know, everybody was just like manslaughter. So we charged two counts of manslaughter and possession of a, of a firearm. So the prosecution lost- their case, or or was it like a compromise? Because I, which I, I it's really weird because I guess I I don't know. It's like did they really lose? I mean, she's I mean, she's still being she's still going to do time. She admitted to doing it. She never right. did not admit to not doing it. Um, but I I I I sat there and thought to myself. Why didn't they just try to plea bargain this years ago? Because, you know, you're in New York City, you're dealing with a very liberal jury system. You have very liberal people who live in New York. Yeah. And you're putting somebody on trial who was a child at the time they did this. Why wouldn't you right. just try so to- seven, year, seven years in prison. She's to, already been in jail for seven years. So that time is going to be is going to be already served. I believe right? so, so. It's twenty five years, including the seven. That's max. She gets. That's max she can get. We so don't. She know. could be out in good behavior in five years. Could be. Maybe. Could Who be. the fuck knows? Um, but I just thought. Did they bring in any of her correction officers now? Like how she's doing in jail? No. Did no, that, I mean I don't. No? I think they. They. they Does that, that matter? I don't remember, honestly. Um, but it was just. Uh, just, it just, it just, I, it just blew my mind that they even, like, I'm surprised this thing wasn't plea bargained yeah. down to something, her being a minor at the time, right? That's, That's what's kind of, because I'll tell you, like, we all, she didn't seem like an evil person. Like, she showed, right. there was no history of her being, like, some kind of, like, lunatic. Right. Up until she wasn't in a gang. Yeah, she wasn't like, like in a gang. Shit. She wasn't around like stealing right, right. or beating people. She used to work with kids and stuff. It was just really weird. And right. I think what really, I think what really just fucked her up was this relationship with this guy who was 28 and she was 15. Yeah, he had a fully developed mind. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just like it was. It was just like right. creepy, you know. So you know, yeah. we we. I remember we came out and um, you know. We <clears throat> wait. Hold on. How did okay. you guys feel when you all agreed on the verdict? I think everybody was fine with it. I think everybody kind of knew. Everybody was thinking the same way. That like was there was there a person on the jury that was like, I disagree, and you had to convince that person. Yeah, we were like, or, yeah, or, we were like, listen, take your time. Like, no rush here. You know, we're not. You know, right. we want you to make this decision on your own. You know, nobody's going to sit around and like say you should do this. But I said, I think you need to. You know, and I even said, I think you just need to understand what's being asked of here, right? right? And I think this person thought that they were just gonna walk away with doing no time. 
I said, she's still going to do time. But, you know, maybe instead of spending life in jail, maybe she's going to like get 40 or something. I mean, at least have a second chance. That's kind of how I left it. And then, you know, she started over an hour later and, you know, we, we, we read, we kind of like read the description. Here's what you need to prove for this charge. And I think they finally understood what was being asked. Cause again, I, I don't think it was a little, it was, it was not right. Even I looking at this, I was like, wait, if you, you have to prove second degree murder first and then you can just say, do manslaughter. Yeah. So it was a little confusing, but I think everybody, you know, was kind of like, like it was, it was, it was, it was a heavy weight, especially after being on on trial for like six weeks. It was just like everybody was drained. Yeah, and you were having trouble sleeping. You said yeah. like you're probably, yeah. you know, it was probably really, really stressful. It was super um, stressful. And I just remember, you know, we came out, and I just remember like looking up at the ceiling and just like letting out the big sigh of like release, you know, a big sigh of relief out, and um. You know, the, the foreman read out the, the verdict and, you know, you know, she started crying when she realized she wasn't getting a second degree murder. And the, like the, 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 the defense attorney was like, thank you, thank you, <laughs> you know. So it was just really weird. And I was just like, I just, I'm glad I did this. I never want to do it again. Wow. That's intense, dude. Yeah. That is absolutely intense. What's the name of the, of the, of the, I guess the defendant? It's Destin. I think that's something to do. It's Destiny Garcia. It, you did. I'm just yeah. gonna. I'm gonna put it in the. I'm gonna put it in the show notes. Yeah. Destiny Garcia. Yeah, yeah. Just like a link. Because you sent again. You had sent me a link, and I just saw the headline, yeah. and it was like it was really crazy. It was really crazy. sad. It was just so like I don't know. Um, but I tell you, the, the other interesting part of it was just the other jurors. It was kind of like it was kind of like a cast of characters. Cast yeah. of characters. It's really strange. It's like. A lot of them civil servants, a lot of them, you know, like um, healthcare workers. Um, you know, there's me and another guy who were like tech people. But a lot of the talk centered around, well, you know, you're putting your 20 years at this place and then you apply for your pension or, you know, you can transfer your time over to this right. agency. And it's like crazy stuff. And it was all about, you know, the best way to, to get your pension or the best way to get overtime and how, how you should submit your vacation days. Or, right. you know, what, what city agency was the best agency to work for? And there was, you know, there was one woman who kept falling asleep during the trial. And, you know, the, the bailiff would bring water over to her. And it was funny. She was like, she was like kind of older. She was like 70. And um, she was a real character. I remember um, she kept asking. So like, oh, you know, because when the, when, the, when, the, when the prosecution rested their case after four days, she goes, does that mean we're done? I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I said, you know, the, the defense has to go now. She's like, I, don't, I just don't understand what's going on here. <laughs> um, oh. But it was a really like, and I thought, you know, what if we get sequestered? Um, what does that mean? I mean, that's I, mean, I know we, what it yeah, means, that's what but, it but means. why? You would, why, you would get, why? When would that have happened and why? I think if it's a very sensitive case, they, you know, I when see. you go to deliberation, you would have to, they'd lock you in a way in a hotel room or something so you don't right. have communication with the outside world. Like, you know, the OJ Simpson trial, those people right. sequestered for an entire year in a what? hotel. Yeah, it's crazy. Holy shit. But I think she's getting sentenced, sentenced on August 3rd. So I'm curious to see what happens. Wow. Yeah. 
I mean, it was just, a, it was a, really nuts. What a crazy adventure. But it was just, you know, but it was just interesting just to watch the operation of a court and how it works and like the court yeah. officers and, um, you know. The machinery. The of, machinery of, the of justice. Yeah. It was like really just crazy to, it was, it, I mean, it wasn't crazy. It was like just in, interesting to watch and hearing like, <laughs> it's funny. They had a, um, a ballistics expert <clears throat> from uh, the NYPD testify. He was a Russian guy who used to be in the Russian Navy back in the 90s, who he was in the Russian Navy in St. Petersburg. And then he came here to the U.S. in the early 2000s, wanted to become a cop and then become going into the ballistics division. And they're like, oh, what, 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 you know, what arms are you, you know, what, 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 your, what arms are you familiar with? And he starts, he starts rattling off all these Russian gun names and he's like telling the court sonographer, don't worry, I'm going to spell it for you. Because he's like, so Kalishnikov, go, go, go. you know, all this crazy stuff. And, you know, the court stenographer, which was a whole other thing, was, we had conversations about this too. We had like favorite court stenographers and ones that sucked. There were why? ones that, because there were why ones who them? heard everything and there were ones who were constantly, what'd you say? What did you say? What did you say? <laughs> What did you say? I was like, Jesus, man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was like weird. Yeah, there's like we had like favorite bailiffs, we had favorite court stenographers. Some of the women in the jury, like the judge, was this very sharply put together woman. She reminded me of a. I don't know how I put it. I, I came up with a somebody to compare her to. She was a very well put together. She's probably in her late fifties. And she dressed very nice. And some of the women in the, in the jury is like, she's, the judge is fly. She's a fly dresser. I would love to have lunch with her. How would you know? She's wearing a robe, no? Underneath. I, they'd see her at lunchtime. Oh, I see. So she, oh, she's fly. She's so fly. I would love to have lunch with her one day. It's crazy. <laughs> That's cool. Maybe we can get her on the podcast. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know about that. But it was just, again, it was, it was interesting just to watch the machinery work, yeah. right? And to see... The interaction of the lawyers and the judges and the judge and the court officers and even, even like the the people would come watch the the, the the trial every day. You know, family members would come. Right. Um, and you felt- was there, pre- was there press there? Did you see people from I the think press? there were some press. But, you know, we felt, you know, and I also- Did they have like a, a fedora with like a little, <laughs> no. like a little card on it? Like Jimmy no. Olsen from Superman? Yeah. Um, no? No. But it was interesting. Like nobody showed up for her- one thing that killed me was she, she had a cousin that was her same age and she came and I think testified kind of against her and one of the the the, the um, defense attorneys said well how did you feel seeing your cousin she's like oh you know I felt really good because she's turned into really she's she's done a lot with her life. Like the, I forgot the cousin was like working, went to college and it's working some job now and some kids. And she's like, I really feel happy for her. And, and the, then the, and the lawyer's like, well, what did you see for yourself? She goes, I never saw anything for myself growing up. I was just like, Oh man. I mean, like I, I they know how to kind of like hit yeah. those spots. Pulling your heartstrings. Yeah. Yeah. But again, I think, you know, I think we made the right decision. I, I know we made the right decision because um, I think, yeah, she was telling the truth. I think she was, you know, 
I think there's a lot of it, a lot of things that just influenced what happened. Wow. But now I don't have to serve for another eight years. Damn, that shit is heavy, dude. Yeah. I can't believe you went through that. Yeah. That is, and it was six weeks, and it was just like insane. I mean, I did buy his lunch the last two days. That was a great pork. What'd you get? You got a hoagie. I got the first egg was kind of crappy. I got like some kind of uh, chicken panini. It was terrible. But, the, but it's funny. It's the next next day, like they ordered us lunch, and it hadn't come yet, but we reached a verdict. And I was like, everybody was like, well, what's like for the lunch to come first before we go tell them? <laughs> so we waited and like lunch was late. I was like, all right, well, I'm going to. And I said, is it okay if I go tell the bailiff, bailiff we have a verdict? Because I want to be the one to do it. Because like uh -huh. you could go with yeah. the bailiff be outside the door. And if you need like, oh, we need evidence. So I worked outside. I was like, you tell the judge. Verdict. Damn. How did that feel? It was interesting. It was like kind of cool. And then um, I thought they would at least wait for our lunch came to, and our lunch came to like, well, I didn't want to call you in now to do it. <laughs> <We're> all, oh, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh, but the ziti's gonna get cold. I was like, oh, my oh. My, my my eggplant palm's gonna get cold. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much yeah. for sharing that, Johnny. Yeah. That's fucking that's fucking insane, dude. Yeah. You're uh, you're the only person that I know that has gone through that. Yeah, I, I don't think. I mean, like I said, it was it was. I'm glad I did it. I don't know if I'd ever want to do it again. Yeah, I bet. It was just very, um, it was really stressful towards the end. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could go, I mean, like, we could do a whole other thing on just like the, what happened in the jury room. It's just, again, it was just like, like a cast of characters. Yeah. You know, but it's, you know, that's it. That's, you know, like your, you know, your, um, you're kind of like cross-section of, of Brooklyn. Um, right. You know, and it's funny. And I guess when if you think about it, like it's supposed to be a, a jury of your peers, right? So yeah. how, yeah, I guess you can try somebody at 15. Who is there? Who is it? You know, you have no 15-year-old right. jurors. Yeah, there's a 74-year-old woman who's falling asleep there. <laughs> so, there was a couple of women, There was a couple of women. I was like, like, they were like old. I'm like, what are they doing here? Right. You know, but I guess, you know, they just, they just, you know, I really think my, I was picked because my last name is Amen. And I probably saw that as a good sign. <sighs> All right, Mr. Amen. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing that fucking crazy fucking yeah. story. Uh, yeah. If you think of any other details. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let me know. I think we got another week until Nikki's back. I don't know. The summer series. Well, we Uplifting stories. Uh, yeah. From John Amen. <laughs> from Johnny. Um, How to lift your spirits. <laughs> yeah, if you want to uh, uh, learn more about the case, I will I will put it in the show notes. Yeah. I'll put some links on there. And uh, yeah, thanks again, Johnny. Yeah, man. So uh, yeah, I guess the next episode is going to be a review of the movie Mahogany starring starring Diana, Diana Ross, the My great Diana Billy Ross, D. and the, Billy D. the legendary Billy D. Williams. Lando the legendary Lando Calrissian. Uh, all right. So uh, we'll see you soon. Bye. Do you know where you're going to? Do you like the things that life is showing you? Goodbye, everybody.